Venview on Spielberg. I'm your resident Spielberg apatheticist, Matt Benson. And I'm the resident Spielberg fanatic, Justin Kizan. And we're here with a, a little bonus app today, mm-hmm. talking about a movie not directed by Steven Spielberg, but produced by him, and very much inspired by him. Yeah. It's a film from 2011 called Super 8. It was a really recent movie. Yeah, it was. Just <laughs> not as recent scant, as Jurassic World, but yeah, still. scant four years ago. Yeah, scant, oh, four years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My half the time's changed. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let me explain why we're why it's Super 8, and it's yeah. kind of funny. And why now? And why now? Because some yeah. people are almost not going, uh, fuckers, do back, do back to the future. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do grab multi yeah. why, why you jumping? Listen, if you thought the Jaws episode was long, you do not want to hear me talk about back to the future. <laughs> Are you prepared for basically the length of a serial of serial podcast yeah. about the love you, of Back to the Future? Are you prepared for me to this podcast, essentially? I believe I can talk for 24 hours straight about Back to the Future. Um, and we said, you know, I said I always said Jaws is my favorite Spielberg movie. Mm-hmm. That's only true if you're only talking directorial movies. <laughs> my favorite Spielberg involvement was definitely Back to the Future, because yeah, no. he produced that, and it's a great movie. It's my favorite movie of all time, FYI. Same so here. we should... Be prepared. And that's for why that. we're good co-hosts, because on a core level, <laughs> we agree that Back to the Future is the greatest movie ever made. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, so let me explain why Super 8 and why now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I brought this up to Matt a couple, you know, I guess like a couple months ago. I was like, we should probably do Super 8. Yeah. And the reason why now is that Super 8 um, reflects at its core the last three Spielberg movies we watched. Yes. Or the last four Spielberg movies we watched. Now, subtracting. Basically, I guess subtracting Raiders. Raiders in 1941. Yeah, we are. This is the movie that. Oh, this movie reflects that period this of Spielberg. Is Jaws plus Close Encounters plus ET. Yeah, equals Super Eight. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like now, if we don't talk about it now, especially with these movies fresh in our heads, it's, yeah, um, we're missing something. We're missing something, especially because yeah. it's just it's a, it's trying to recreate that feeling of those three movies. Yeah, and so. I think it does it really, really well. Yeah, this. No. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna bring out the old pun that. I and everyone with a brain said in 2011, I'm going to say it again now, Super 8 was super great. (laughs) (laughs) I was glad you said it. Yeah, I like this one. (laughs) I loved it. Can I just say something that maybe will piss off the Spielberg fans in our audience? Listen, if they're still here after your E.T. rant. (laughs) This is related to that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So this is where, listen, a lot of you are going to watch it and say this is this young, dumb kid. This is how he thinks about movies. But I believe that I'm right, and I don't care who <laughs> hears me say this. Parts of this movie, I watch it, and I think, oh, J.J. fixed E.T. <laughs> God, I can't do that. <laughs> I like the movie a lot, mind you. And I, I like the movie a lot. I own it. I just bought it just for this podcast yeah. with no hesitation. Yeah. But I'm like, I can't go that far. I will, because I love this film, and I don't love E.T. <laughs> this is Matt Benson saying he loves Super 8 more than E.T., yeah. and if you're... Uh, if you, uh, I don't care I it. It. come yeah. at me. No, they, they, like if you're here after ET, I yeah. think this is you're, <laughs> it's not a surprise. It's not a surprise, and also I mean, there's a, there's a lot of movies I love more than ET. <laughs> well, I, I, it's, it's but this is you know fighting ET on its own turf. This is <laughs> yeah. well, the, the same turf, yes. really. Yeah, with the, with, uh, with the 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 other guy at the sa- in the ring yeah. still <laughs> hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know, like, where do you want to start with this? We're not gonna do our usual, you know, break breakdown. Yeah, we're gonna do yeah. just a, some more casual, free flowing, yeah, yeah. super eight discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, to bring it into current events, I will say another thought I had watching this was, oh, Star- we're going to be okay with Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, not just because this is a really good movie, but because it's specifically, J.J. Abrams has a skill for taking a movie in someone else's style yeah. and not only sort of successfully emulating the style, but kind of building on it in a way that is interesting and fun to watch, yeah. which I would say he also did with the 2009 Star Trek. Agreed. Not yeah. so much Into Darkness, but with 2009 Star Trek. Yeah, it's not an Abrams podcast, but I have my issues with Into Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's for another time. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think um, nostalgia is clearly the big yes. energy factor in, in, in Super 8. And I think that's what is what does make it mostly work a lot. You yeah. Know? Um, the Right away, the movie starts out with a... With a a very kind of John Williams esque score by yeah. Michael Giacchino. Yeah, uh, played over the Paramount logo. It just it drops you right into that world, and right away it just puts you in a mood. Yeah, to be ready for the nostalgia of this movie. Yeah, if I can, we're we're going to talk a lot about John Williams in the pod, in the show further episodes, of course. But I, if I can just say, since we're not hanging out with John in this movie, yeah. I love Michael Giacchino. He's good. Yeah, he's kind he's of my so good. he's my favorite current like composer. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think the Star Trek score alone 
is oh, like yeah. the first time I went, oh my God, suddenly finally, someone gave me a new sci-fi action yeah. adventure and memorable score. Yeah. In like fucking forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Gia Kino, I love, and his score here is is all yeah. the right tones of Williams without feeling like, I'm doing John Williams. Yeah, it never feels like an imitation. It, 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 much like J.J. does with the movie. Yeah. I call him J.J. because we're friends. Yeah, right. Much like he does with the movie, it kind of reinterprets and builds on it in a way that is interesting for the film yeah. without it sounding like a knockoff. Yeah. No, agree. It's a good movie. <laughs> uh, a lot of familiar... It's so it's set in 79. Yeah. To again, really get that nostalgia aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a small town, kind of the, the same kind of small town that a lot of Spielberg movies are set in. Yeah. There's a comedy... There's a there's a definitely an Amityville element here. Yeah. Um, where it does feel like it's like like the people know each other. Yeah. All the the the, the, the you know the the you know the deputies know the car salesman and et cetera yeah. et cetera. Yeah. So there's it's kind of a, and there's a bunch of colorful people hanging around and getting yeah. to like why are we doing this stuff? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's got it's even got like a town meeting cl- classic classic uh, town, meeting. town meeting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, where you can like oh he, oh he might as well say like we're gonna we're gonna shut down the I don't know what would be the equivalent to shut down we're gonna shut down the underground for 24 hours. <laughs> 24 hours is like three weeks. I could hear someone saying that. It's very much that same tone. Yeah, totally. Uh, and then also, much like the, not the town meeting, but the weird government meeting in Close Encounters, a yeah. uh, crazy guy stands up and says, I've been listening to my ham radio and you're hearing yeah. government frequencies. <laughs> but Kyle Chandler's like, we, let me talk to this guy. He's going to know something. That was a really fun scene. It's a fun scene. Agreed. Um, but when we start off, though, it's like we do start off at basically, and that's actually really nice good visual storytelling. Yeah. We started off with like a factory and an yeah. accident sign. Jason's accident, 700 whatever, mm-hmm. taking it down, putting up to zero. one. So or like, one, yeah. Down, so. Taking it down and it puts up one, yeah. which means, oh no, something just happened. Something bad happened. Something bad happened. And then cut to a funeral. Yeah. Um, our lead character, what's his name? Joe. Joe. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's his mother that has passed yeah. at the factory. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's, this is classic case of everyone's trying to Suss out their own feelings and family yeah. members and friends, and, and but I uh, think it's appropriate is that this the kids are like how do kids react to death like this? And it's really well done here. I think. Yeah, and also it, it kind of has some of what I think makes Spielberg movies really good, mm-hmm. which is that the kids seem like real kids, yeah. not like movie kids. Where they're talking about like, is he gonna be okay for the movie? It's about zombies. His mom's not a zombie, but she's dead. You dickhead. Yeah, you know, <laughs> no. There's a lot of echoes of the kind of conversations that happen in E.T. Yeah, and uh, Close Encounters. Yeah. Um, uh, even Jaws to a certain degree. It's funny. I was even for some reason I was thinking of that one kid that you liked in Close, where he's like, "I seen you, I seen you, <laughs> you coming through the window." Yeah. It's like a group of those. Yeah, you know? kinda. Yeah. <laughs> um, the 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 film director and the little pyro kid. That yeah, are always picking at each other. Yeah, it's no, really that's great. totally their relationship. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I it's. And it's a nice setup. It's a good, you know, getting to know these are our lead characters and this is kind of the, yeah. this is like the moving forward with their lives type stuff. Yeah. Um, so, we no, it's... A, a nice little intro of a Nick Nolte looking guy come, tries to come yeah. into the house and is sort of violently thrown out by Kyle Chandler, mm-hmm. which is, we don't see him again for like another half hour, but like in that moment, we kind of know all we need to know about his character. Yeah. He's the guy who maybe means well, but is ultimately trying to crash a funeral right. where he's clear, or awake where he's clearly not wanted. Right. Yeah. Um, so the kids are right now, and I guess we cut to four months later where it's like yeah. school's out, but the yeah. kids have been trying to make uh, uh, a zombie movie. Yes. And it's uh, it's very appropriate yeah. because I'm sure by this point Dawn of Dead came out. 79 was when the movie said, yeah, Dawn of Dead came out in 78, I want to say. Yeah, around 78. Yeah, 78. And so like Dawn of the Dead... Around that time, at least. So by yeah. the time, like, well, the kids are definitely Dawn of the, or at least Night of the Living Dead fans because they yeah. they named the chemical company in the movie Romero Chemicals. Yeah. So and it's like, it's funny to know that like, zom that's <laughs> zombies. That's easy. Yeah. Like if that that hasn't changed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> you like, just need some makeup and mm-hmm. uh, some weird marbles to put in the eyes and you're yeah. good. <laughs> and you know, like, easy death. Though yeah. I want to, I like the fact that their zombie would consist of clearly one zombie. Yeah. <laughs> it's always the same kid playing the zombie. <laughs> he dies. At least three times by my count. Yeah, it seems like it. on the nails in the fields. He gets shot. Yeah, yeah. he's uh, the one. In the, he's the test subject in the thing at the, which we don't see till the end credits. Yeah, uh, I know. And there's a couple other, you know, yeah. that they make in the movie. But it is like primor- primarily, he's like the main zombie. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so now that they're getting ready, and it's like uh, the director kid, who's your 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 
traditional overweight kid in yeah. the 80s who's yeah. kind of a either he's a, the goofball or he's almost the bully yeah and, that, <laughs> yeah. and that's that, those are the two types you're right those kind of characters so yeah. he's the case of he's almost the bully yeah but they're friends um he's a director because why not yeah because why wouldn't he be yeah. <laughs> and he's got this because uh, it puts him in a position to boss the other kids around which is good for almost the bully yeah exactly yeah. and so you have him going like all right i wrote new, I scenes. Got new lines yeah. i got new lines and new scene and i feel we should have a girl yeah and he keeps going, and you know, Joe's like, what do you mean? Why? It's like, like for a story. Yeah. And this is, it cracks me up as a guy learning, as a kid growing up, learning about how movies are made. Yeah. It's, it cracks me up to go like, he probably read that in a book, didn't he? Yeah. Read in a book or a magazine. Yeah. And as I watch him, he's like, it's a magazine. He read yeah. it in Fangoria. Of course yeah. he would have. Yeah. <laughs> of course. It's like, oh, see? Oh, that's, what's, that's what that's makes it real. That's missing, yeah. That's what gives it emotion. <laughs> um, and also, he's, he's talked to, uh, forget the character's name, because I'm a bad Person. Yes, What's I'm here. Name? He's actually El Fanning. El Fanning. El Fanning's character. He's got El Fanning to agree to be in the movie. Yeah. Um, which Joe is freaking out because, like, you actually, you know, like. You talk to El Fanning? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is, I think, many guys around their age, but you talk to El Fanning. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's this. Uh, yeah, no, I guess because the the idea is that like he he's freaking out because like oh older kids around fifteen and sixteen yeah. they're gonna have real stories in their movies <laughs> yeah. and production value which I went yeah. and production value of course is his big refrain every anytime he wants them to do something that's a little bit dodgy he just shouts production value yeah no he's kind of like uh, what's his face in, in King Kong right yeah. uh, <laughs> Jack Black in the new one Jack Black uh, in the new one and in the old this idea yeah. like God oh, this is for the movie yeah <laughs> everything's good. everything can be used yeah everything can be used despite the fact that clearly he's putting people in danger <laughs> and also. They've been told repeatedly that if the government finds out they were at the train crash, they will be killed. And yet he still plans on using the very train crash in his film. <laughs> but whatever, it's for film. Yeah, production value. Production value. Um, uh, Al Fanning has agreed not only to be in the movie, but to drive them to the train tracks to film this scene. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, is super weird because, like, well, they're like clearly 13 or 14, yeah. so like they shouldn't be driving anything. Uh, <laughs> I was reading on the trivia page, uh, Al Fanning was 12 when they shot this, and it was illegal to have her drive. Mm-hmm. So there's actually someone in the back seat with like a rig. To, to the vets who's actually driving the car oh wow when we see Al Fanning driving the car <laughs> um, fun, fun little trivia for you I don't remember I wrote this there's a quote here that I wrote down I don't remember if it was before or after this but um, there's a scene where they're kind of uh, so Joe uh, is, he's staying over at the director's house mm-hmm. and it's time for dinner but he says don't worry I, I got it I, yeah. uh, I'll go home and he, he goes with his dad and they go to a kind of sad diner because yeah. he, his dad's a you know man and a busy deputy. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't have time or yeah. knowledge to cook. Mm-hmm. So they go to this sad diner and the dad is trying to uh, get him to go to baseball camp. Yeah. He wants him to go to baseball camp. Joe's like, I got I to gotta help my friends fill the movie. Uh, and there's this great moment where there's a few examples of the movie where they kind of they do a lot with a little in terms of one line that really I think kind of communicates the character well. Yeah. Which makes me wish JJ would write all the movies he directs because he wrote this one. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't write a few of the others. Um, where he just says to Kachan just says to his son Joe, he says, "This is what we both need." Yeah. And you can tell like that's code for this is what I need. Yeah. And it's not it's not yeah. even him being super selfish. It's just him in his kind of very reserved way very hard for him to communicate his emotions obviously there's a scene where we saw him crying on the toilet and then he just kind of shuts the door quick and says I'll be out in a minute yeah uh, this is his way of saying I'm hurting son and I, I need some time yeah it's a it's a very kind of powerful moment yeah no agreed um, and it's a, and it's a classic case of like very like 70s man mentality yes Right. Definitely. That's definitely. I can't. I, I, I'm a man and I need to be alone with my man thoughts for a minute to, <laughs> to recover um and yeah, and, and, and this is those kids, like, you know, like, Joe's clearly your, your prototypical, you know, kind of weird nerd kid. Yeah. You know, he likes painting monster monsters, like monster yeah, models. Yeah, he does the makeup. He does the, the makeup. Movie. Yeah, yeah, he, he likes making, you know, yeah. he likes th- doing hobby stuff, yeah. you know, but it's like, you can tell baseball camps, and it's like the worst thing in the world. <laughs> For that kid, yeah, that, that was a horrible match. <laughs> <laughs> Which I was like, if I was 12, that sounds to me like the worst thing in the world. Yeah. I was like, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> um... But yeah, it's it's a case of yeah, you can tell like, the case of his dad, who's the deputy of the town. Like I, this is my brain. I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't communicate. Cope with yeah, yeah. With I, this, I, and I don't know how to say that to you. Yeah. So you're going to baseball camp, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which of course is like obviously if you look at parent, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you should talk to your kid and yeah. try to figure it out. But he, it was the seventies. We didn't talk to our kids then. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, that, that was for queers talking to your kids. <laughs> That's what they would have said. They would have said. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That was me and the character of the 70s guy. Um, 
So they're out at night. They're hanging out, singing um, My Sharona, yeah. which I love that little detail. Yeah. It's like, oh. uh, which apparently, the uh, in another, I read the IMDb trivia page as I'm showing up here. <laughs> they were, the, originally, they were just supposed to be kind of just talking and hanging out, mm-hmm. but the kids on set were singing in between takes. Mm. And Spielberg, who was on set, yeah. often as he was, and J.J. Tybell are like, oh, we really like that, and that they, they decided to put that in the movie mm-hmm. just because that's how these kids were honestly hanging out in between takes. This is the funny thing. That's the funny thing about that, right? And then I guess that's a taste of, Spielberg is your producer yeah. <laughs> until he says something else. Yeah. <laughs> and that's a clear... And there's like, like obviously, J.J., and this is a, that's why I did like that bit. Yeah. It's like, it's Spielberg being Spielberg, yeah. seeing a couple of kids and being good at what he does and knowing that's yeah. kind of even instinctually going... That's what kids act like now. Yeah, or even that's what kids act like. Yeah. So it's like if they're singing songs, yeah. that's what they should be doing. It's supposed to yeah. be like talking about bullshit or like. Yeah. And yeah. I assume that I, I assume. I assume. I assume. I assume <laughs> they were not singing My Sharona in real life. Yeah. Because what? That'd be a weird group of 12 year olds. I mean, I guess it's possible. I guess possible. Was that, was that a rock band? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I think back to myself as 12, at 12. Mm-hmm. And I would have known My Sharona because I was a huge Bird Al fan. Sure. So I knew it through that. Mm. But I doubt you'd find like a group of 12 year olds that would today or today. 2011, yeah. at least, that would all know and sing My Sharona yeah. together. <laughs> I would almost, it's like, well, then that's the case, right? Though. It's like it's them clearly like going, like, like, oh, okay, let's figure out a song they would like. Yeah. And then. We'll play that. Like, cool, let's just, you guys figure that one out. And, yeah. that's, that's and it point. fits really well. And it fits really well. And it makes, that's the bit that feels the most real, you know? Yeah. Um, Elle Fanny comes up. I'm sorry we keep forgetting her name, guys. Uh, I'll look it up. <laughs> right. um, Elle Fanny comes up in the car, yeah. and she's freaking out because she sees Joe. And yeah. knowing that Joe's the deputy's kid, which in turn means that she is, of course... And she's in trouble because it's not legal for her to be driving. Right. And, and there's another great line that I write that I wrote down mm-hmm. where she so she she comes up and she's super she's like the tough kid. Yeah. Right away. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, uh, which I kind of like. I feel like that's kind of a cool flip that you don't see in in movies a lot, mm-hmm. where the girl is like the tough. Uh, you know, she's like a, in in a Bad News Bears. Yeah, I was she's gonna like say the, yeah. What's I? Why am I blanking on it? Tanning. Jackie Earl Haley. Yeah. She's like the Jackie Earl Haley character from Bad News Bears. Yeah. Well, and well, also there's that girl in, in Bad News Borough yeah. Bears where she's like that character yeah yeah like a Tanning so, Tatum something Ch- Channing Tatum <laughs> Channing Tatum for her uh, no, uh, <laughs> what, what is wrong with me Tatum O'Neill Tatum she's, thank you right. yeah she's like the Tatum O'Neill character and which yeah. is also fitting in the era yes. the movie set like she is like this Alice thank you that's her name there Alice no she's definitely here's the thing like there's everything about it where it's like ooh she's the cool kid yeah, that's why everyone's like. That's why Joe's like. You talk to her. Yeah, because she's the cool kid. Yeah, like, she's like kind of a badass. Yeah, like it's not. It's not intimidating to talk to her because she's the hot girl, which yeah. is kind of what would normally be the case in this sort of movie. Mm-hmm. It's because she's the cool kid. Yeah, uh, which is <laughs> I, I really like that. Mm-hmm. And she has a line, or she, she she says, "You brought him. He's here." Yeah, and like, what? What are you talking about? What? Uh, he's the deputy's kid. I can't have him here to get me in trouble. Yeah, and then Joe just kind of, and then Joe, even though this is kind of you know, this moment of peril where she's super mad at everyone. He there's this really nice moment where he just smiles and says, "You knew that?" Yeah, <laughs> like he's just really kind of charmed yeah. that she knew something about him. It's a case of clearly like obviously he probably had a little crush. He's like, he has a crush yeah. on her, so it's that yeah. whole deal of like that classic case of like, oh, the cute girl knew me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what all he heard. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only fact that mattered to him in that moment. Yeah. Actually, my favorite little bit too is like when she when he kind of calms her down and says like, "Listen, I'm not. I swear, I'm not gonna say anything." Yeah, and it's like okay, fine. My favorite little details they're driving the car and everyone's I know what you're going to say because I like it a lot too. Oh, okay. So it's like everyone's kind of showing up. He's in the back, yeah. kind of quietly hands her a licorice. <laughs> yeah, a Twizzler. A Twizzler. And then she begrudgingly does take it. Yeah. But to him, he's like, she took it. She took a Twizzler. <laughs> she kind of looks at him and gives him a dirty look. And then she grabs it real quick and right. puts it in her mouth. But he's like, all right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I got her she, to take the Twizzler. She took I'm the in. Twizzler. We're good. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that is total 12 year old boy mentality. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I mean, my head's like, you're in, dude. Yeah, you got it, man. <laughs> you got it. It's a smooth sailing from here. <laughs> uh, and then, so, uh, there's a scene where they, they film, this is the first time we kind of see them filming a scene at yeah. the train station. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alice really wows them with her, surprisingly, she's like by far the best actor yeah. of any of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the scene where she, she wants her husband, who's the detective, played mm-hmm. by the wussy kid, <laughs> uh, she wants him to stay, but he, or she wants him to go, but he has to stay and investigate these zombies. Do you assume they cast him as the Lead because he is in fact probably the most 
the closest thing to a good-looking guy in their group? I think because he's the tallest. That tall. He's the yeah. tallest, and therefore the most like yeah. an, uh, most looks like an adult. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's why. So you put him in a fedora. He looks kind of like yeah. a grown-up. Not even a fedora. I mean, actually, it is a fedora, but just with the brim pulled down. Yeah, he's basically got the brim like in in um. Do you, uh, was it? Uh, I can't remember if it was the Maltese Falcon or the Big Sleep. But there's a movie where Humphrey Bogart, like, uh, he he needs to get some uh, some information from a used bookstore. Mm-hmm. So he like turns his hat down and looks like it's weird. Maybe this is uh, uh, how stereotypes have changed. I watched when I watched, it, I thought, oh, he's doing like a, a book nerd character mm-hmm. to get this information from the library, the library. <laughs> <laughs> but then when I, I was reading like some trivia about it, and they they apparently he's doing a gay character, and that's just huh. what a gay character. The, the stereotypical gay character was in the 40s which huh. now just seems like he's just doing like a nerdy bookish guy oh huh. but basically he wears his fedora like, like a, Humphrey Bogart does in that scene is what right. I'm trying to say that's interesting it's a long walk to get to that no no but, but that's yeah. so fascinating to me I didn't yeah. know that that's kind of neat I never would have thought that he was doing a gay voice right but apparently that's what people thought gay people were like <laughs> in the 40s <laughs> um well very little information about that <laughs> yeah um so yeah, they're shooting their scene. Big There's pl- a nice just little detail where uh, the director kid uh, says to the, the the least spoken of uh, of their group, the one who's not the explosive expert, yeah. not the wussy kid, he's just kind of there. Mm-hmm. But he says, uh, you know, make the place look busy. Go go talk on the phone, you know, dial, pick it yeah. up, talk. And the kid's just like, I know what to do. Like, he gets really <laughs> sh- uh, uptight about it. But then when you see him in the actual scene, it's the most unnatural <laughs> phone acting you'll ever see. He walks the phone, picks it up without dialing, <laughs> and then just... M- like a fish, like a fish eating, <laughs> moves his mouth up and down. It's it's pretty great because this is the case of like you know like uh, if you've attempted to make films of any kind when you were that age. Yes, this is very accurate. Yes, <laughs> um, especially like yeah, the idea that he's the director clearly reading these from books. Yes, and, and etc. And he's really, I mean, to his credit, hey, listen, if you keep this up, kid, you might end up being all right. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta but start somewhere. You gotta start somewhere. But it's like this whole case is like, no, oh, those stuff's gotta happen in the background. Which yeah. is like, hey, you know what? That's not bad. Yeah, yeah no, no, he knows. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. But it you needed to not be fish mouth over there. Should, yeah, he should have now. Like, it's like the, he, it's almost it's like the case of like he did a good job pointing that out and doing it. Yeah. But he didn't continue on being a good job by realizing he's not doing a, he's not doing <laughs> good at it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's almost like oh, it's bad. It's fine. I gotta yeah. focus on my actors. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So and yeah. then it's also during this scene, mm-hmm. and uh, it's weird. It's become you know a cliche to point out at this time. But it is really insane, the amount of lens flare J.J. Abrams puts in a movie. And I say that as a guy who loves J.J. Abrams. Yeah. But there is, even in this movie, where, because this scene where we see this movie as it's being shot, the kid's movie, and the kid has lens flare in his movie, (laughs) because maybe that's J.J. being like, well, this is me as a kid, basically. I would have put lens flare in the movie. It's like, yeah, but J.J. um, (laughs) Here's the thing. I love it in in the 09 Star Trek. Yeah. I think it's a, it's, it's clearly here's like it's such a clearly great visual thing yeah. that it started creating imitators. And well, and, but the other thing too is, you know, the, I've seen the O Nine Star Trek many times. I, right. I really enjoy that movie. Yeah, and it wasn't until someone pointed out, but once someone points it out, there is, as I said just now, there is an unreasonable amount of lens well, in that film. I would argue in Star, you know, in Star Trek O Nine, it's fine. Yeah, because it's future and it's well, it works until you've seen the movie ten times and you're yeah. looking for lens flare. Then you really notice. Well, it. then fair enough. Yeah. But I will say it gets distracting when it's not two thousand Star Trek two thousand nine. I.e. This movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's when I'm kind of like, that's where I got worried. That's my one worry with, yeah. with Abrams on Star Wars. Me it's like, too. It's like, hey, there's gonna be lens flare, buddy. How much? Yeah. <laughs> even like, even in the big, even in the first teaser where the Millennium Falcon made its first big debut, yeah. uh, my friend was like, okay, I, I, I'm sure it's only small, yeah. but I, I saw one. Where? 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 Where was it? Where was it? It's like it's after the Millennium Falcon made its appearance. I watched the trailer again. There it is, yeah. and it's minor. It's so minor, yeah. but it's but the fact that it's now it's so synonymous to JJ yeah. that it's almost becoming. It's almost like his equivalent of the of the Bay three sixty shot. Yeah, but it's this one's more ridiculed yeah, yeah. because it's unnatural. <laughs> I feel like he might like have a problem, like because yeah. it's it's like he can't not do it. Yeah, 
He's and it, it, fit, it, it fits in Star Trek, right? Because Star Trek, the whole thing of Star Trek is this, it's this very bright future. Exactly. That's that's since the sixties. That's been what Star Trek is. That's never been what Star Wars was. No, no, no. Which is which is kind of worries me. So um, I mean, to be to the fair, all the footage we've seen so far, and, and you have this, yeah, it's yeah. predominantly not that, despite the one. Yeah, despite the one instance. The one instance. Yeah, it's it's we're fine. Do you think? And uh, you know what? It's unavoidable because it's this close to December. God damn it! It's unavoidable to not. And we're talking about JJ. We can't not talk about Star Wars a little I, bit. Oh, I think it's it's nearly impossible yeah. now. Do you do you think he's gonna? I I really hope he does. Mm-hmm. And I'm he might he he will right. Mm-hmm. He's gonna keep the the wipes the the cheesy Star Wars edits. I hope. So. I feel most likely because as much as those are you know in theory bad, <laughs> that's it's what Star Wars is at this point. Right. No, that's part of the visual language of Star Wars. Yeah, and he'd be a fool not to. He'd be a fool not to. Well, here's the thing: if we're talking, the whole point of of what's going on with Super Eight, yeah, and and this is that is JJ emulating, yeah, one of the two guys, right? Yes. <laughs> this is the funny thing: like he's emulating the two guys that basically redefined seventies blockbuster movies. Yes. And Super Eight does it really well, which right makes me believe Star Wars will be really well. Right, exactly. It will feel like yeah. JJ, but there's a, there'll be enough. Good Lucas? Yes. Let's just say that, right? Yeah. Good Lucas. That will permeate through the film yeah. to remind you about the feeling you get, hopefully, to remind you the feeling yeah. you got when you watch Star Wars. Yeah. Much like what he did with Super 8, where it does feel like he's basically getting the gist of Spielberg yes. while still feeling like an Abrams movie. Yeah. You know? Um, so, all right, kids are making a movie. Kids are having, kids are fake crying. Yeah. Kids are acting badly and good. Yes. And all of a sudden, Joe's turning around, and he's, you know, big trains coming in. They're still playing the scene and yeah. recording, which is probably a stupid idea, because how can you hear all that, but whatever. Well, as he says, talk really loud when the train goes by. Yeah. But production value. Production value. <laughs> uh, so uh, Joe's uh, working the boom mic, and he's kind of, he's looking over, he's seeing this truck mm-hmm. driving real erratically, real near the train tracks. Yeah. And then guess guess what happens is that truck drives up on the train tracks, mm-hmm. plows headfirst into that train. Yeah. And he says, get down or something. Yeah. Massive. Uh, can I tell you my, one of my very few complaints with the film? Sure. I wish the kid, I wish Joe had sworn there. Right. I wish he had said, holy shit. Right. Because I feel like that would have been a more honest reaction. That's like, no, it's like penis breath, right? And yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, like a kid reaction. Yeah. It's like, that's when you use a curse word you just learned. And I feel like they could have gotten away with it too. Because like, I mean, there's like the, the, the camera store guy smokes weed in the movie. Like it's yeah. not, like they were being kind of, you know, it, it was very, it was realistic otherwise. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I could see that. I, I could have used a holy shit there. Yeah. Because that's also, yeah, it's like if you're allowed one curse word in a PG-13 film, yeah. that's the moment, right? Yeah. Like, oh, holy, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Actually, I don't recall if any of the kids really cursed in the yeah. film. Yeah, which seems I, weird. Yeah. Especially I mean, I, I, I was not around in 79, but as I, I imagine kids are just cursing all the time back then. I, no, I believe that. Based on movies I've seen of that era. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, clearly. Yeah. Um, uh, I think any kid learning one, the, any kid who discovers cursing will find any excuse to curse. Yeah, because it's fun. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you're not supposed to say it, but, yeah, but we can't. But, but <laughs> look around. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now we got big, big, big crash sequence. Yeah. Very, very well done. Um, yes. Very exciting. Um, and yeah, just but and I, you know, there's a bit where I have to stretch in trains going everywhere. The kids are you know, like, oh, everyone's all right, and. Two second freak out of seeing blood on on one of the things and wondering yeah, if everyone that's... but Alice is okay. They found and yeah. They see a lot of blood on a thing. Yeah, so and everyone's there's... quick to jump. Yeah. You know? the the wussy kid is thrown up already. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then Alice luckily comes in the back of frames. Like, mm. is everyone okay? We realized the blood was actually more of Joe's fake blood for yeah. the film. So everyone's everyone's like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Um, then, then they just <laughs> excuse me. No problem. <laughs> uh, they discover the truck. Mm-hmm. Which houses uh, who they recognize as their high school biology teacher? Yeah, and he's that's like, convenient. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think it works though. It works. Know, I'm, not, get that's not a knock, I'm film, just yeah. saying that's convenient. It's convenient that he did not die when he drove head first into a tree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he happens to be bumping, and then his his old students are there too. His uh, old students are there, and the truck has been bisected in such a way that they can walk right up to him and talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know the name of this actor, but he does a good job. It's yeah, almost like he was cast literally just so you go, how well can you see the word run? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, listen, mm-hmm. some messed up stuff's going on here. Yeah. Don't tell anybody. If the government finds out, 
They're going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Now I have a gun, and you had better run away <laughs> because that's how serious I am. Points a gun at the kids. Yeah. Um, and before they leave, it should be noted, uh, Joe picks up a weird, as they describe it, looks like a white Rubik's Cube, yeah. which were found all over the scene of the train crash. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they run off. Government guys are coming in. So uh, real, real Close encountery shits happening Close right encounter, now. Close encounter, and also they, the government got in that there's like a shot where we just we were seeing basically a sea of flashlights kind of invade this hill. Kind of ET. Very reminiscent of, of ET, yeah, the first yeah. scene in ET. Yeah. It's funny again, like we we're going to keep referencing those three because it's so obvious. Yeah. It's not, and I think that's almost the point. Yeah. It's like JJ looked at, you know, looked at the three films again before he wrote the script and went, I want to, you know, almost in a weird, like almost like doing like a remix. I'm yeah. trying to take little chunks, yeah. little bit, little visual bits that remind me of that movie. And He's then, doing a remix and a mashup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, it, it, and but it doesn't feel like like a massive look. I'm just remaking it or just yeah. redoing it. Oh, yeah. Which is why it's also set in '79 specifically because Jaws was '75, Close Encounters was whenever, mm-hmm. and ET was '77. Jaws was, uh, Star uh, Close Encounters was '77. '77. That yeah. makes sense. And then ET was what '80. '82. Two. Yeah. So 79 is kind of like right in the middle there yeah. of the three. That's actually true. I didn't even think of it like that. Yeah. But you're right. And even before Raiders, because I think eight, Raiders was 80, right? Raiders was 81. Cause, 81. Because okay. I know, because that's that streak where since Star Wars, like, or since Empire, Harrison Ford was in like an awesome movie every year. Because it was Empire oh, yeah. 80, <laughs> 81 was Raiders, mm-hmm. 82 was Blade Runner, yeah. 83 was uh, uh, Jedi, yeah. and then 84 was Temple of Doom? Yeah. Mark? Yeah. I think so. And then I think 85 was Witness, which, hey, I'll count that. I like yeah, that no, movie a lot. Yeah, it was a good movie. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I totally count Witness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but you're right. No, it's true. Yeah, it's, it does fit it, it's almost as if it's the lost yeah. cousin yes. to those movies. Yeah. And then it fits thematically with them. Um, so, uh, <laughs> since we're not trying to, yeah, I'm trying to see what happens after that. What happens after? Uh, uh, you know, a bunch of stuff. Cool. There's the red scare. I like the is a is a sort of theme here again. Setting in seventy nine. At one point, they think uh, a, 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 I a think it's Soviet the, threat. I think it's the Soviet threat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's back at the Amityville scene. Yeah. <laughs> if you can't tell me if we don't know what it is, then I think the Soviets are behind. <laughs> um, I also like, should we cut to the kind of the third act? Yeah. Because I think we've kind of covered the first two. Pretty yeah. Well. Pretty well. I mean, like, they, like I think I'll go with one thing. I would say is like I like the thing I like about Kyle Chandler uh, Chandler's character. Yeah. Is uh, I like the fact that he's playing. It's again, Chandler. It, Kyle Chandler's character is kind of neat because he's basically playing Brody. Yeah, he's the film's Brody. Yes, um, and then uh, the film's Brody in the first two acts, and then weirdly becomes mashup Brody and um, uh, Richard Dreyfuss in Close Encounters. A little bit, yeah, yeah, a little bit, like a believer by that yeah. point. But he's definitely the, the shows the movie's Brody. Like he's yeah. the guy that the, the people have to. Yeah, he, the sheriff disappears at one point, and so he becomes a de facto sheriff, yeah. and the townsfolks are going to him, and he's trying to trying to do a bunch of shit at the same time and yeah. trying to while trying to maintain the, his family his, his situation with his son yeah i think that's why he it's almost like in a weird way it's like a dude getting forced to becoming brody when he wasn't ready to be brody yeah you know yeah <laughs> brody's clearly- and also kind of because the focus is on the kids and the you know the, living in his house kind of yeah. it's almost like a you know a rosencrantz and Goldstone are dead of like you know yeah showing the other angle of josh showing it more from you know michael and sean's perspective yeah exactly because they're they're never really they're almost yeah, they're there in Jaws, but they're not the leads. They're good color in Jaws, basically. Yeah, you're exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's but they, they don't really have an arc of their own. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is kind of would be their story. Yeah, which is kind of neat in yeah. that regard. Um, but yeah, like, I like the scenes where he's just like he's trying to talk to the to the, the government guys. Uh, Noah uh, Noah Emmerich, I think, is his name. The actor, yes, who I like a lot. Yeah, he's great in this. And uh, yeah, they're, they're your classic case of like, well, you, what the hell's going on? Well, we can't tell you. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> That's it's weird. Not, it's not dangerous. Don't worry. I, which is like really because the the sheriff just vanished and all the dog, every dog in town, the, the town has left the, town for some reason. I like the I like the, the fact that the, the alien creature, which is yeah. clearly what's attacking the town, yeah. is both the parts destructive and careful. Yes, <laughs> like it's like he's very destructive at the gas the gas station. Yet carefully opens the hoods <laughs> of every car and just went ah okay yeah. snap snap <laughs> grab. Grab, grab, mm, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm good. Out. I'm out. <laughs> what? What are you? He's almost, I think it's like because he's bipolar, probably. Yeah. He's like, okay. well, I think he's like a raccoon. Yeah, he, yeah. There you go. <laughs> like the hoods are, are the trash cans, and he's very calmly going with them. But the second someone signs, shines a flashlight on him, he freaks out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's like, the hell? Yeah. You, <laughs> that? 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 you get away from me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It's very raccoon like this. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, it's basically it's a giant space raccoon. Yeah, yeah there we go. I'm with that. I'm, I'm, I like that angle. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then we get to the point where shit's really going down. Yeah. They're, they've evacuated the town. Alice disappears. Yeah, she gets taken by the alien. Mm-hmm. Uh, after a fight where her drunk dad drove into and crashed his car. Yeah. Uh, they're burning shit with a flamethrower. Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, the, uh, the the one Rubik's Cube that uh, Joe had taken mm-hmm. that the alien needs back uh, through alien magic <laughs> got sucked out past his wall yeah. but then stuck on the water tower. Yeah. You're correct. That's good. I, it, I, there was a there was a moment of panic in my brain where like the little the little brain cells were like rushing to get the word tower into my mouth in time. Like they were right right, like right water. Yeah. And you just gave me a look of tower. I'm yeah. like, you're good, dude. There we go. Oh, thank God. Um, that's a nice image of the thing stuck just in the dent of the water. That's tower. a good visual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Not a real water tower. Every single every single time you see it, it's CGI. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I was also in the IMDb trivia section. Not bad. Yeah. Um, there's also kind of a nice bit of like preteen romance drama. Yes, with in, Joe and um, with Joe, Alice, Alice, and the director. I keep forgetting his name. Yes. Um, but I, and I think that's also again another bit of damn that that hits a little close to home sometimes, <laughs> where it's like, yeah, you because know, we find out eventually why did. It wasn't just some uh, magical muse thing where I, yeah. the director said, oh, we need a girl to make a story. It's like, no, he I thought wanted, she was cute, yeah. and I wanted to find an excuse to hang out with her, so I wrote a girl part. But, damn it, I didn't realize that you two were going to like each other. Yeah, so, I, so, so, screw you, screw Joe. Screw you, and fuck my life. Let's watch the dailies. <laughs> That's what we're doing. Let's see. Um... But no, and it's I, I think it's yeah the, the relationship Alice and Tyler, Joe's relationship is, is built nicely yeah and slowly but kind of sweetly yeah and it which is why he, he he it's important that he has to go find her right when the shit goes down yeah yeah um and man the shit go down yes uh, it's like um yeah town's evacuated and but Joe knows like like we gotta we gotta find her we gotta get blah 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 I know yeah. she's around and he starts suspecting something's going on in this in this one building in the cemetery yes so he's like we gotta get to the cemetery yeah. And this well, is, first yeah. we gotta get to the school, yeah, to study to study our old teacher's files mm-hmm. to learn about this alien, yeah. Then to the cemetery, right? Um, to and fight it because they found the film. They they found like a like a what's it like kind of a storage container, yeah. And one of them knew that there was stuff in that storage container that they knew the army probably wouldn't have thought to look in, right? Um, so uh, they watched the film real. Yeah, that. the director convinces uh, his sister. To mm-hmm. go seduce the creepy uh, <laughs> camera store uh, guy. Yeah. To give them a ride into town. Yeah. So they sneak past the blockade. And this whole time, also, Kyle Chandler is um, going on a very close encounter style, breaking away and infiltrating yeah. the base. Because he starts he, catching on to some shit that the government's like. They've got him locked like, in a room. Yeah. He started catching on to some shit that the government guys are like, yeah. okay, I'll lock that dude up. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you're right. It is so very like, much a, a, yeah. a close encounter escape sequence. Yeah. yeah. Where he's like, I got I to gotta pee. You want me to do it in here? And then uh, he gets out. Boom! Does like cool action star stuff. Yeah. Elbows the dude in the head, takes his gun, hits him with it, puts on his uh, uniform. Yeah, and he gets the hell out of there. Blows up like a truck. Yeah, which I have to feel like it, as soon as the credits roll in this movie, Kyle Chandler went to prison for the rest of his life. <laughs> he commits some pretty serious crimes against the I, U.S. government here. It's almost like I think if anything, the way is like how did he, it's like he just got all this pent up shit <laughs> yeah. that just went crazy. Really released. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, um. <laughs> So when they're watching the footage and yeah. they're hearing this narration, yes. uh, these recordings of the tapes that their old teacher did, we find out like it's it's not a threatening alien. Yeah, he used to work at Nellis Air Force Base until mm-hmm. he was discharged uh, for um, subversive behavior. Here's the thing, though. I will say this. Um, it's a trope that I kind of want to now officially go away. Yeah. It's the trope where it's like, we see in the footage that the alien grabs him and then all of a sudden he's like, and after that I knew. It's like, okay. I get why you guys need to keep doing this because you don't want to have an alien speak English or have talk. But if I have to see another movie... Psychic Connection? Yep. A Psychic <laughs> Connection in which the alien decides to info-dump everything to you. <laughs> like it happens in... It, it's Okay, let me list the movies I know for sure happens. Here Independence Day, Slither, yeah. Battleship. I didn't even see all of Battleship. <laughs> <laughs> like this movie. Fucking, it's like... it's. I get it, yeah. but it's a case where I'm like... Why would an alien like shake your hand and go, by the way, boom? Unless in this case, what's your rates? He's trying to say, get me out. Yeah. Fair. But when it's in an invasion movie, like it wasn't Battleship. Yeah. Which is, again, I didn't see it all the way through. It's so, but this scene was so stupid. <laughs> How would you, what if, 
what about in Pixels? <laughs> Where the aliens, I haven't seen it, so please tell me. <laughs> where the aliens, uh, I believe, if I recall correctly, I saw Pixels at a test screening. Mm-hmm. So it's been several months since I saw it. Yeah. But if I recall correctly, the way the aliens communicate in that film is that uh, so a time capsule goes out into space, the aliens grab it and then become video game characters because that was in the time capsule. Yeah. But yeah. I believe they also they took footage of like you know Ronald Reagan and other people speaking in the 80s mm-hmm. and recut it together to create their message. How do you feel about that? Eh. That's also been done many, many times. That's also been done. I, Explorers <laughs> is another movie that did that. Yeah. If, you, if you saw the Joe Tante film Explorers. Um, I feel like the problem is if you're not going to do one of these things we described, then you have to you have to do contact basically to explain yeah. how they're able to communicate. And that's just so much time. Yeah. I, I think I would rather take a tired trope that I've seen a million times <laughs> than like a 30-minute screen where it's like, they sent us symbols which we know represent numbers to explain that math is universal and we both understand it. And here's Matthew McConaughey as a Christian man. Uh, it's, 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 you got to jump through a lot of hoops yeah, to it's, explain why. I mean, here's the thing. It's a trope, and I guess like my, my, my jadedness of a guy who's seen so many movies is like, I'm just getting a point where, oh my God, I get it. But at the same what time, if we just establish yeah. that in every Alien movie, mm-hmm. There's a TARDIS nearby with its universal translation <laughs> fields active. <laughs> what about that? <laughs> I'm a, you know, there's so many, so many sci-fi movies could could be easily answered with a TARDIS, yeah. you know, <laughs> or a babblefish, or a babblefish. Yeah. You're right, just like sticking in your ear. Yeah. Um, yeah the first alien we discovered was the babblefish, and yeah. then the second alien was the one that the movie's about. <laughs> Boom. There we go. Yeah. Um, that's a side tangent, and I won't stay on it very long. But it's like the idea, of like became a Doctor Who fan means that anytime I watch another sci-fi movie, I went, I wonder what would happen to doctors in this. Sure. <laughs> I often, when I watch movies, I think, what if what if Wolverine was there? That's For some reason, that's my version. Really? Yeah. It's like, like Die Hard? Have I, you thought about that? If, what if Wolverine was there? Yeah. Absolutely, I have. But it would have been a much shorter movie. And clearly, it would have been like <laughs> yeah. a 30-minute film. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. That's a... Listen, Doctor Man. I'm not Don't saying. Don't judge me on. for putting Wolverine in every movie. But you're doing so, essentially the so, same thing. So, so ready to attack. Hold on, I'm just actually trying to see another movie scenario where I can include Wolverine. Okay. <laughs> this movie, for example, would well, have the, been... the, it wouldn't have had a chance to communicate with the alien. No, 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 no. Because Wolverine would have sliced and diced that. Yeah, <laughs> before fucker said any shit. Yeah. Um, Okay, so <laughs> the, the kids are now on their own. It's funny, as the dad's escaping via Close Encounters, the kids are running through danger via E.T. Yes, uh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Again, it's a, it's, a, it's a mashup remix that works really well here. Yeah. Um, so when they're, they're out, when they're going through this bit where they're going through all the... The, the houses and this, uh, and yeah. like literally like the actual suburban war zone. Yeah. Uh, part of me is also kind of wondering, like, what? Like, are, do you think the army is just kind of freaking out right now? Because yes. like like I shoot everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, they they there was a line where they said all our our systems are going crazy. It's firing right. on its own. So I, I believe the alien was in some way mm-hmm. doing that as like, a defensive measure. Yeah, I forgot. You're right. It's um, like just kind of fucking things up. That's why everyone's yeah, like, yeah. "What's going on?" Yeah. <laughs> there's a great one where they're in one of the houses. It's not their house. Yeah. And um, <laughs> there's like a bottle of coke or something. Yeah. And the director starts drinking, <laughs> and then the wizard kid's like, "What are you doing? This is not yours." He's like, "I'm in a war zone. I need. I'm thirsty." <laughs> they're still like getting on each other's cases. Yeah. It's just about weird stuff like that. Yeah. That, that was really funny. Um, and they get the kid. No, yeah, exactly. That's that's actually. I was as soon as she's like, oh, "I know what you're talking about." It's really yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of good stuff here. It's 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 again good to see a movie where they're not afraid to put kids in like real peril. Yeah, where it's actually scary. One of them breaks his leg at one point. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Um, the other big fight, the other big sequences before all that was where they're. I just realized the other the big ones, the bus scene. Yeah. Where it's like that's the real like deadly close encounter sequence. Yeah. Where the the alien. Yeah. And I think your raccoon analogy makes the most sense. The more I'm thinking about right? it, because it's like <laughs> he's a space raccoon. <laughs> yeah. It's, the aliens like just trying to do something, but then we're just poking at it. Yeah. And he's like, "Well, fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's what he gets. He gets really violent in this scene. Yeah. Like, like just he kills Noah Emmerich hardcore. Hardcore. Yeah. That is that is a that is not a ooh like we drag him off camera of death. Yeah, that is <laughs> that is that is uh, Mr. Nakatomi's Naka the building. What's the boss's name in Die Hard? He gets his head. The point is, we, we see his yeah. head explode. Basically. Yeah, no. Yeah. He, it's like, in a weird way, you can almost argue he's, he's like the lesser Quint in this scene. Yeah. You know, he's, he's trying to, literally, guns a-blazing, yeah. he's trying he's to survive. He's Ben Gardner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is the Ben Gardner scene. You're yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> we actually get to see it this time. 
Um, okay, so yeah, you know, the kids are now finally like. Yeah, the, the director has stayed behind to help the kid with a broken leg. So now, right. and the third, the other kid. Uh, is has stayed behind at the like uh, the base. Yeah, yeah. Kind of um, keep distractions up over there. Yeah, yeah, which is great. As soon as uh, Kyle Chan finds out the kids are gone, he immediately knows like I shake this kid down. He <laughs> tells about it immediately. <laughs> He's like, "Where'd they go?" I'll tell you right away, sir. <laughs> um, so now it's Joe and Firecracker Kid. Yes, uh, they're going down the tunnel, scary tunnel in the cemetery, and then they discover all the humans and and, and electronics and things that the creature has been kind of collecting. Yes, you know. Um, they try to get distracted. Um, the sheriff's apparently still there, alive, and well as another random victim. And Alice. And then Alice. Yes. Um, they get them all out. The sheriff. Here's the thing. I will, let me ask you something. Yeah. So the sheriff. Sheriff's an unfortunate soul. Is it because? Is it? Did you kind of? Did you sense the sheriff's already out as soon as he's kind of given a little bit of an attitude towards the kids who got him out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, this is not. He's gonna get snatched right back. <laughs> I guess I really like. You're yelling at them, but they're helping you. Oh, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought you were dead before, but you're for real. He's dead now. Yeah, sure, almost free. Could have yeah, had it. Could have had, had it. Had to be a dick. Could have been. A, you know, my man. It, you could have been real nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then we have a. The alien comes face to face with Joe. Yeah. And uh, they have a nice little chat, a little the, conversation. The E.T. scene. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, this is where I say, as a <laughs> proud young person, <sighs> J.J. fixed E.T. All right. Because I feel like this scene works better for me than the end of E.T. does. All right. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I like the scene enough, but yeah. I, uh, why? I feel like the movie was on point. With Joe's struggles throughout the whole thing, okay. Whereas ET, it felt uh, it felt just like cheap emotional ma- manipulation. Mm-hmm. This felt that there was an actual arc and character development to Joe throughout the film mm. that culminated and paid off nicely in this scene, okay. which I feel I did not get from ET with Elliot. Well, I can see what you're saying with Joe. That's fair. You just think it also happened with Elliot? I say, and this is where I I, I have a knock on on the Super Eight. I don't know. I feel the character of the alien is as is. Not is not defined at all. I could listen. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> but this is where I care about human beings because I'm an Earthican. Earthican? Uh, is yeah. that all right? That's a bit. heard it here, folks. <laughs> it's, um, it's not so much that. And you care about the aliens? That's not the case. You that... bow to our new overlords, whereas <laughs> I'm here with the good people of Earth. When the, when the alien, when the ant alien overlords comes in, I do bow to them. But I no. I, here's the thing. It to me, it's equal. Okay, that's I, fair. With with ET, so ET felt like a character, which yeah. he was. ET yeah. felt like he was a personality that existed. Um, the monster alien in Super Eight, while neat, I feel was is, is sadly kind of stems from this thing that I call Cloverfieldness. Yeah. In which at the, one point people thought the fan rumors thought this was going to be a prequel to Cloverfield. Yeah, yeah, and you can kind of see why because design the alien is sort of generically looks like the creature from Cloverfield. I didn't make it to the alien in Cloverfield. I had to leave to throw up. All right, because you think it's like the motion sickness. Yes, you're much like Joe. You're much like Joe's buddy. Who can... <laughs> no, he gets he throws up when he's scared. I only throw up when there's a shaky camera. I will say your throw up is rational and makes sense. Thank you. <laughs> because you're an Earthling. And I'm an Earthling. Earthling. Anyway, anyway, so but like, yeah, I, that's the thing. It's like uh, I will, I will, I'll kind of see what you're. I'll concede and see and understand what you, you say about Joe as a character. But for me, it's not. The, but the fact that that ET e. himself was also a fully realized creature and a character. And I'll agree with that. Yeah, the Super Eight creature was fine, but yeah. could have been more. Yeah. Um, that's why the emotional there doesn't work on me because I'm like, I don't know a jack about this dude. I can tell the you telling me he's a space raccoon. I finally clicked. <laughs> that yeah. finally clicked in my head. That I can get behind. That wraps my head around. Yeah. I can get my head around. That. Yeah. <laughs> He's a space raccoon. Yeah, but that's why, I, and that's why I kind of think I like this scene mm-hmm. is because to me, because I just see the monster as a space raccoon. Mm-hmm. It's not so much that they're relating. This is to me more Joe kind of staring into the abyss mm-hmm. and learning about himself. Sure. Which is why to me it's not so important that the the creature has a developed personality like the way E.T. did. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. fair. 
Um, if you're seeing the creature as a way to reflect on Joan's personal yeah. feelings, uh, yes. which is the which was a big a big uh, narrative push into the film, yes. I can see that point. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but for me. Like, and I agree. E.T. Yeah. is a definitely a better developed character than the raccoon creature. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, he lets him. He lets Joe go. Yeah. <laughs> but the, any, any other adult in that scene? There, the rest of the adults in that scene are fucking dead. <laughs> well, the lady doesn't die, right? Yeah, she gets grabbed. I'm with pretty sure. I'm pretty sure with she's the curlers in her hair? I'm pretty sure she's not alive. What? No, she's fine. Where are they at? They didn't <laughs> pop up at the end of the movie. Eh, she's fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> super eight and a half. Super 16. <laughs> yeah. You'll see her back in Super 16. It's <laughs> just her It's just her on the Sheriff Cool now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't. All right, I can't defend this idea, mm-hmm. but for reasons that I are true to me that I can't explain, All right. I believe the lady with the curl in her hair is to be alive. I do not believe the sheriff to be alive. <laughs> I can't tell you why I think there's a difference, <laughs> but for some reason, I think curl hair well, lady's alive, and I think the sheriff is dead. Well, I'll tell you. Here's the thing, because the, I'll tell you. There's, I can see why you think that, because again, in, in movie rules, if you're a dick to children, you're yeah. dead. But she was never addicted. She wasn't addicted. She was them. just like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, what's happening? Tell <laughs> yeah. me what's up. That's why. If, if I'm to sidetrack back to Jurassic World real quick, yeah. Um, the death of the assistant. Yeah. Felt unnecessary. She she wasn't even a dick to them. She was. She might have been rude. Yeah. She might have been unhappy. Yeah. She's not a dick to the kids. Yeah. That death belonged to Vincent D'Onofrio's character. Yeah. <laughs> he should have been eaten by three dinosaurs. Yeah. That's the death that character should have had, not the poor woman yeah. who was just trying to do her job. Yeah. <laughs> so, cop being slightly a dick to kids who just saved him? No offense, buddy. You earned it. You did. You did. <laughs> Um, so that's why I'm like, I could see that. Yeah. Like, yeah, the, oh, she was fine. Yeah, so that's why I believe she's still alive. <laughs> so, you know, the Super 8 creatures went, get out of my way. Yeah, they just pushed her out of the way. Pushed her out of the way. Cop yeah. got, shakes him in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> she got pulled back and then she swam deeper to an underground rock and, and swam up and she said, and she, she walked up to Joe and she said, Sheriff. And Joe says, no. <laughs> that's, that's how that happened. <laughs> There we go, fan fiction for Super <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, they escape, they get out, the water tower is now a spaceship. Yes. <laughs> All these crazy magic cubes morphed it into a spaceship. Yes. Um, despite the, the, the intense rush of, of Joe's dad and, and Alice's dad, they ended up not really doing much they put out. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Although there was a nice little moment of uh, Joe's dad kind of saying to Alice's dad, Alice's dad was responsible for Joe's mom's death, by the way. Yes. Uh, of him kind of having someone of it was an accident. I like that scene. Yeah, it's a nice really closure. Nice. Yeah, and, I, and it's a clearly something that Joe's dad needed. To yes, like understand like it's not. I get it. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's a good bit of closure there. And then then we get to something. Here's the thing. I, it, it's I will say this about the ending of the movie, mm-hmm. and it's much like the ending of ET. Mm-hmm. Besides the obvious, <laughs> <laughs> it's the idea of if the rest of the movie worked on you, then this scene will work on you. Yeah. If it does not. You will find it cheesy. Much like E.T. <laughs> much like E.T., you'll find it cheesy and over-sentimental. And it's yeah. the scene where one of the things that the, that's in the movie that's a big uh, emotional attachment to Joe is this necklace that his mom wore on yes. the day of his birth and has a picture of his mom in it, you know, et cetera. Um, he's holding on to this necklace for the entire film. It's an emotional attachment he has. And yeah. at the end of the movie... We Anytime stop- he's in peril, he takes it out of his pocket and kind of fondles it. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a safety, you know, like yeah. a safety blanket scenario. Um We've established that the the ship is clearly magnetizing a lot of metal to create more elements of the ship. And the last thing that gets pulled away is, of course, the necklace. necklace. And it's a shot of Joe holding on to it and Joe's dad holding on to it. And then the picture opens up. And listen, this ain't subtle. We know what this means. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What's your thoughts on this scene? Well, I'll tell you right now, even as you're saying it, highlighting how it's not subtle and it's maybe overly sentimental, I'm just sitting over here thinking, yeah, that was a nice moment. <laughs> I'm, just, what, right? I'm just thinking, yeah, I'm just over here enjoying it, even as, even in your retelling. Right. Uh, I was well, I was all on board for this. I'm painting it yeah. that way because, yeah. like I said, I'm with it. Yeah. Like I like the scene, but you can see how someone would not be. Right. Yeah. And it all depends on how you feel about the rest of the movie. Yeah. And that's a moment. And maybe that's why to yeah. analyze myself. Sure. Podcaster, talk, comment on thyself. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's why I feel that this is movie fixed ET mm-hmm. because this is the movie where I was on board for that, mm-hmm. whereas ET I was not. Okay, and uh, that's just about me. Wasn't yeah. the movie itself? <laughs> I'll admit that. Um, 
And yeah, for me, it's like I can say, oh, it's like if I wasn't on board for this to film, yeah. then that scene would have been, oh my god, I get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think it's and it's like, it's the, it's it's the sentimentality that clearly made Spielberg famous. Yes. But not the shitty sentimentality of kick the can. Yes. That made me want to rip my hair out. Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I, I do feel like JJ was. Uh, sort of aware of that going into this yeah. because this it's a very dark movie in a lot of places. Oh yeah. And I feel like that was a conscious attempt to avoid going over the, you know, the line with the sentimentality. Yeah. It's almost a nice actually you're right in a weird way it's almost an equalizer, right? Yeah. The movie is so um does get into the, like nearly jaw like even more intense than jaws sometimes yeah. and more violent than jaws. Yeah. I'll say it's more violent than jaws. I don't know if degree. I agree with that. There's moments it feels what, like it What is. in Super 8 is more violent than Alex Kintner's death? You know what, truth be say. told, I guess... Mm, Remember the fountain of blood that came out of Alex Kintner, who was a like, 10-year-old boy? That is way more than the, the watermelon head explosion of Noah yeah. Emmerich. That's fair. Yeah. That's true. Equal length, then. I watched, I watched Jaws <laughs> twice again recently. <laughs> <laughs> was it for the Fathom screening? As well, or you uh, talking no, about was for the beach, the beach screening? Oh, okay. Here in Long Beach, I went to that. It was great. And then my friend, who was supposed to go with me to that, backed out, and mm. she said she had never seen Jaws, which is absurd. Oh no, no, no! So I <laughs> demanded that we watch Jaws again, mm. even though I'd just seen it. So we watched Jaws again for that. Okay. How was the beach it? thing? Like, great. It was like, so I saw good. you. Yeah, I know you had sadly invited me, and I couldn't make it that yeah. day. But like. Like, I, was it like kind of watching Jaws on, in Amityville because it's by a beach thing? <laughs> I mean, I, 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 it was, it was super, like, it looks like the, the 4th of July scene in Jaws, like, just, like, how busy the beach was. Cause, yeah. You know, it's a free movie. Right. Everyone's going to come out for that. Uh, yeah, it was great. It, 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 it really added to the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have, like, food trucks and stuff set up to get food beforehand. Yeah, it was awesome. That's cool. Uh, if you're in the Long Beach area, I, I highly recommend those uh, Alfredo's Beach Club mm-hmm. movie scene screenings. Sometimes words are hard, but the, you know what's not hard is going to Alfredo's Beach Club to watch a movie for free. It's a lot of fun. Bring your own chair. There we go. Thanks. Hopefully, yeah. please sponsor or tell us tell people about our show. <laughs> I'll even take. If that. you want to sponsor us, let me. Yeah, that'd be great. great. But at the very least, just tell people we exist now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> go to com slash. Why? I'm spitting out of control. I just we're doing plugs, and I plugged this show. The one thing I don't need to plug right now. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Um, any last thoughts on Super Eight? Uh, super great. This All right, is a, this is a, a bit, bit, bookend to hear us. My first thought and my last thought. There we go. Yeah, yeah. I liked it a lot too. <laughs> um, plugs. Yeah. Let me stretch, stretch it. Getting ready. <laughs> I write for Ages of Dard. Dard. Ages oh, of Dard. Man, Dead I am losing control of my words We're as well. Both on edge today for some reason. <laughs> Oh God! Uh, Agentsofguard.com. I write for that yeah. website. That is a thing. <laughs> yeah. I write for that website. Uh, be on the lookout sometime in September, and I'll be. I'll give more details to come. I will hopefully have a comic book project well, to bring up oh. that I've co-written with a, a buddy of mine. Oh, very exciting! Yeah. Like so keep just follow me on Twitter at Justin Kizan, and you'll know more about the comic. It'll be available for free online. I'll tell you where. Nice. Um, Matt. <laughs> Go to BenViewNetwork.com. Check out all the great shows on there. I want a bunch of them, like Popsicles, uh, Shut Up Leonard, where we talk about community. Pick Your Path, which is a scripted, choose-your-own-adventure-style show. It's got chapters like an audiobook, so you can make choices that affect the story, just like those books you loved as a kid. It's called Pick Your Path. Uh, Benson's Boombox. Those are all on BenViewNetwork.com. Uh, you should do stuff to us on iTunes, like rate us, review us, subscribe to us. Those all help us. Those all are good for us. You can follow this show on Twitter, at BenOnSteve. Uh, and you can follow me, at Dr. Matt Benson. And I also sometimes write stuff for Agents of Guard, so I'll second that recommendation. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to second uh, the comic, rec- the, the lookout for the comic, because <laughs> I, I believe Justin Kiesa to be a good writer, and I think that'll be a good comic. Hey, thanks, buddy. So uh, check thanks, that out when it happens. <laughs> I will also co-sign on that one. <laughs> uh, did I say everything? That sounds like everything. Yeah. Yeah. All, All right. right. We'll see you in two weeks for Temple of Doom. Woo!
I'm Mark from Comic Nerds Unite, and this is my hetero life mate, Tim. What's up, Mark? And what's up, world? Comic Nerds Unite is a comic book podcast, plain and simple. Our mission statement is bringing nerds together to talk comics. So we pick a book or graphic novel that we all read and discuss it at length. Then we talk about some of the books we read for the week. I love comics! Me too, buddy. Check us out on ComicNerdsUnite.com or on iTunes. Comic, comic Nerds, Nerds Unite! This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com.